Good morning and welcome. Hey, it's Friday. No, it's not. It's Thursday. Is it Friday? What day is it? It's Thursday. Dang it. Friday Eve. Can we say that? One more day and then it'll be Friday. I'm Joe Jacob, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. And our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. It is the very last day in the month of February. You know, that one little, uh, that one little short month. Uh, the last day of February. So many things to talk about. Uh, we had GDP data out. We had all kinds of other data out. We had the ending of the talks with North Korea. We had Michael Cohen testifying in front of Congress. What a circus that was. Uh, and something that uh, most people won't talk about, we did have a Supreme Court ruling that was very, very interesting. And I'll get it all, I'll bring it all to you. Uh, I do want to say this. I need to tell you that uh, I apologize uh, for, we had some streaming issues with 1360 KHNC. Uh, I know a lot of you wanted to hear Eric yesterday and had a hard time being able to do it. Uh, I'll say it wasn't our fault. It wasn't something that we did wrong. Uh, we are aware of it. We are fixing it. Well, I should say we're fixing it by going to somewhere else. Uh, you know, you know that adage. Sometimes when you pay for something, and, and uh, you think that by doing that you're going to get the best, uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, but, but I apologize. I will say this though: uh, we have set a record for streaming all week this week through 1360KHNC.com. Uh, the station, obviously, that we bought in Colorado. For those of you that have been living under a rock. Eric will be back today again uh, from 4 to 5. From 4 to 5, uh, you can listen to Eric. It's not a gold show. Uh, it's just Eric uncensored, if you can uh, believe that. And uh, keep trying. We are, by this time next week, uh, we could have a million people out there streaming it all at once, and we should be good to go. Uh, but, but today again at 4, tomorrow at 4, uh, we, we've made huge progress on a lot of different things that we're working on. Uh, by We're going to have callers on this show, right? So now you're going to be able to call in. We're not there yet, but, but over the next two weeks, uh, we'll have a much-improved stream. We'll have, Eric will be taking callers. Uh, the the sound quality is going to be through the roof. All of these changes are all coming. Bear with us. And I know that that it, it stinks because you want to hear them and do all that. We're, we're working on it. Podcast. A lot of you have been asking about podcast uh, for our Colorado for the Front Range show with Jason and Brian. And I know you're going to be asking about podcast for Eric's show. Uh, we, we are... Uh, 30 days or less away, 30 days or less away from having all that done. Just bear with us. Listen, it's going to be great. I keep telling you how great it's going to be. And I mean it. You you know me. Hey, sometimes it takes a little longer, but we always end up getting it done. So tune in today. Uh, keep trying. Like, you know, what's so funny is 
I couldn't get it to work. And then I went to my phone. It worked, worked on my phone, but not on my laptop. Uh, and then it didn't work on either. Then I went out to stream up, but it worked there. Uh, if you had Apple, I think it worked there. It just depended on all these different variables from browsers and this and that and the other. We're eliminating all that stuff. Let's just put it put it uh, that way. I believe tomorrow we may be making a new announcement on some more new shows coming to 1360. Uh, so be ready for that as well. So a lot of great things coming. And remember now, everybody, doesn't matter. You're in Phoenix, you're in Colorado, you're anywhere in the world. You're going to be able to listen to 1360 uh, and, and be able to hear all of the great programming. This is programming. Listen, most radio stations aren't carrying this stuff. That's why we're doing it. Uh, and, and I'm just super fired up for all of it. And uh, remember, supporting us and supporting them, 800-951-0592 is our toll-free number. The website, of course, allamericangold.com. When we return, we'll break down some data, and then we'll talk Supreme Court. Fourth quarter GDP was finally released today uh, in a little better number. Uh, It's not 3%. Uh, that those days are gone, uh, but it came in two point six. It was two five nine, but we'll round up right two point six percent GDP growth in the fourth quarter. Uh, that was the the headline number. Uh, consumer spending we had good growth, but it's slowing. Uh, and I'll say this: remember when um, retail sales came out? For December, and I said, I don't know that I buy that number. Right? I think that that uh, it was better than what the number said. I got the same feeling about this GDP number, but in the other direction. Don't think we really got to six, but we'll take it. Uh, we'll, we will definitely take it. And let me tell you why I don't think we got there. Uh, when you Dive into you know all these data points, right? They had uh, sales. You know, you got to factor in trade. You got to factor in uh, business investments and in all this, all these things that go into it. Of course, you got to remember that you got to seasonally adjust it. Uh, the 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 big overshoot. So uh, you know, we're looking. You know, consumer spending number still okay, right? Just you know, slowing. Right from the second quarter to the third quarter to the fourth quarter, still you know slowing but hanging in there, and the trade deficits and the inventories. Now we did get, uh, and I knew we would. We got a big bump from inventories. That's not a; those are the ones you don't love those, but it happens where hey, you know we we got. We, we built a lot of stuff or, or, or made a lot of stuff or bought a lot of stuff that we haven't sold yet. That, that was uh, uh, gave us a nice little bump, but again, nothing that we didn't expect. So in looking at the numbers, most of the numbers came in how I thought they would with the exception of one, which was the, they call it the intellectual property investment. This is the category. Uh, business investment in 
intellectual property. Uh, I'm guessing something computer technology. I'm not really sure, but it blew a number out. We hadn't seen a number like this uh, going back almost two decades. Not quite. I mean, there was one spike, I think, in like 06 or 07, uh, but but this was this one kind of stood out. So I, I'm I'm assuming there's going to be a bounce back in this research, and it, it falls under the research and development category. Uh, they said that it increased by 13 percent, which is I don't want to say it's not possible. Uh, but highly unlikely, uh, which, which led to a business investment number, non-residential, by the way. Residential, uh, as we talked about, was a big negative in the growth, but that was the 13.1% increase in intellectual property. I guess the Chinese, right? The Chinese may steal it. So let's make sure we, we protect that pretty good. But anyway, long story short, fourth quarter GDP 2.6. Now, I'm going to make an educated guess on the first quarter number. And, and follow along now. This is, this is, you know, I'm not that smart. But second quarter last year, we had 4.2. Third quarter, they said 3.4. So we lost eight-tenths of a percent. Now the fourth quarter, we went from 3.4 to 2.6. Again, I know I went to public school, but I can do that math on my fingers. We lost eight-tenths of a percent. I'm going to go for the hat trick and say we're going to go down eight-tenths of a percent next quarter as well. So 1.8 is going to be the number uh, for the GDP growth. And, and I don't, it, it is twice in a row a pattern. I don't know. If it happens, if I'm right and it does it again, then you know all these numbers are a bunch of bull, right? Uh, amazingly down exactly eight-tenths of a percent. Uh, but it can happen. So uh, we'll, we, will, we will keep our eyes on all of this as we continue to watch. So fourth quarter GDP, 2.6%. Now, I did my math that we finished the year at 3% GDP growth. Now, I, I've seen different ones. I've seen 29 to 3.1%. So I'll just take the average and say 3%. So we did do, we got, we got three for the year because, uh, and really, the the numbers that I remembered, I thought we were 3-1, but then I saw a number, another number that said 2-9, but we'll call it three, uh, which is what they wanted. So maybe that 2.6, they figured, hey, that's the number we need to get there. Uh, so we got 3% for the year. Unfortunately for us, uh, I don't think that trend continues, but we'll take it. Uh, GDP 2.6, 3% for the year. And my new prediction for GDP in the first quarter, 1.8%. Uh, but still, for first quarter, you, you know, throw out last year's numbers, right? Last year, if you throw them out, 
we would grow somewhere between, you know, 1.4 to, say, 2.6% quarter over quarter. And I think we're probably going to go back to that uh, again as well. So uh, that was the number we had been waiting for, the GDP number, and 2.6%. Yesterday, there was a Supreme Court decision. And I'm not sure, but the way I see it, this was a big one. And I I don't know that anybody has even talked about it, uh, at least that I have seen. Like, I haven't seen it on CNBC. I haven't seen it on Market Watch. I didn't see it on Drudge or any of those. I haven't seen it. But there was a Supreme Court case. And it involved the World Bank, and it involved a fishing community in India, of all places. And I guess um, it was tried here because the World Bank is headquartered here. I guess that's my assumption. So the, this fishing community was suing the World Bank. And I don't know all the details about what it was that they were upset about, and why they were suing the World Bank. My guess is because the World Bank lent them money that they shouldn't have misled them horribly, right? Maybe they did a Goldman Sachs deal on them. I don't know, but they were were mad. And uh, it went all the way uh, to the Supreme Court, and normally... You know, they, they, so the World Bank operates with immunity. In other words, right, they're kind of above the law. You can't sue us. We're the World Bank. Well, apparently somebody did. And uh, they said that whatever had happened there in uh Assam, India, A-S-S-A-M, sorry if I don't pronounce that right, India. Uh, They were uh, tea workers that lived and worked on a tea plantation jointly owned by the World Bank, and uh, the equity investment had scaled uh, oppressive and hazardous living and working condition that led to widespread suffering of 155,000 people on these plantations. So here it is, a fishing village suing the World Bank over money, I guess, given to tea plantations that somehow resulted in uh, horrible working and living conditions, right? In other words... The World Bank gave the money to mercenaries. You know what I'm saying, right? And uh, the Supreme Court, it went all the way to the Supreme Court in a 7-to-1 ruling. The Supreme Court, so obviously somebody didn't vote, but in a 7-to-1 ruling, they said that the World Bank can now be held liable Now, and here's where it gets a little tricky. They said in certain, right, certain things, right, they they won't be given immunity for 
some of their actions. And, and I think that's very important. You know, when you start thinking about where are we really going, right? We know the debt's $22 trillion. Nobody's paying that, right? Foreigners have stopped buying our debt. We'll get to that in the next segment. We, we've been told that we need a, a new form of debt and this and that. And a lot of people uh, thinking that we're going, myself included, to some form of a digital currency, uh, that it's going to be through the IMF and maybe the special drawing rights of the IMF. And, of course, you know, the World Bank is going to be involved in that as well. And are we setting up the foundation here for the legalities of all of these things? And who's going to be? And obviously, I think America wants to be in charge, right? Obviously. Uh, and, and is this maybe a way to make sure that the Chinese don't get the influence of the World Bank and that it stays here at home? I don't know. But I do find it interesting that all of a sudden now we're getting Supreme Court rulings that normally historically would have been, hey, it's the World Bank, you know, you can't touch them, that we, at least in this case and others like it, where the World Bank is a bad lender. Right? They led lending to unscrupulous people, I guess. Uh, legal action can be taken. Uh, and as far as I know, and by the way, the Earth Rights International was the counterparty in all of that. Uh, the World's Bank Accountability, uh, Accountability Council is uh, now going to be the one that, I guess, oversees some of the stuff the IMF is doing. Nonetheless, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, yeah, I believe it was yesterday, it, a, a landmark decision allowing for the World Bank at least to be taken to court here in the U.S. Maybe laying the groundwork, who knows? Maybe we'll take them to court. I, I don't know. <laughs> right? You're going to take this electronic credit or, or there's going to be trouble. Or maybe, hey, you're going to start loaning us money to buy this debt. I don't know. But I, I, I thought it was worth mentioning because uh, this is something where normally all, every time I've seen anything involving the World Bank or the IMF, they've always been granted immunity. And so as far as I know, this is the first time that I can recall where they haven't. I'm going to view that positively, but I don't know. It actually may be a bad thing. I'm not sure, but I'm going out on a limb here thinking this is actually going to be a good thing. When we return, foreign buyers in U.S. treasuries, how bad is it? How little are they really buying? And how long is it going to continue? We're going to talk about that. It was a very difficult week for the U.S. Treasury market as far as actually selling the amount of debt needed to sell. And remember, we're just probably, what, 30 days away from them having to increase the debt auctions again. Got that coming up for you next. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. With 2018 squarely behind us, we would love to say that there's never been a crazier year on college campuses than that one. But we simply can't say it. Beginning in the spring of 2019, students at Rutgers University will have the opportunity to earn academic credit by learning social justice, resistance strategies, and other community organizing tactics. That's right. Practicing social justice is now not only an official course, it's even mandatory for those who wish to minor in social justice. Your children can now minor in social justice at the State University of New Jersey. Their other approved electives will include classes like Marxist literary theory and culture of U.S. imperialism. But not to be left behind, Ohio Wesleyan University has decided to offer a social justice major to students so they can cultivate the knowledge and skills needed to analyze social injustices. This major also comes with a requirement that each student participate in work outside of class, including an activism project, proving again that spontaneous protests are not really that spontaneous. While conservatives are taken up with defending our government from the ridiculous liberals in Congress, we must be mindful of this even more important battlefront in the culture war. Marxists long ago successfully infiltrated our higher education and have turned it into an airtight breeding ground for their ideas alone. In the modern world, where nearly three-quarters of Americans go to college, the radical cultural Marxists have a four-year stranglehold on the information that our next generation is given. This is truly the most important fight. Free speech and open discussion have been decimated at U.S. colleges. Students' rights are trampled. Parents' rights essentially don't exist. It's easy for conservatives to claim that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is our worst nightmare. But we have to remember that Marxist colleges are training thousands more just like her. Social justice majors are simply another extreme leftist mantra that has moved from the campus to the syllabus. We must take back our kids' education before it's too late. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? At phyllisschlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti-Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at phyllisschlafly.com and join us again next time. For the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number. We've been talking about this more and more. And here's, here's the problem with all of this. The debt continues to roll on. And you would believe without much effect, right? I mean, people want you to believe. Look at the Dow. The Dow's twenty five, twenty six thousand. You know, we we had the one day bear market back on Christmas Eve. You know, and everything's great since then. Of course, they call it great because uh, the Fed's not going to raise rates anymore, and they're going to stop their balance sheet runoff and. Uh, Most likely, they're going to start cutting rates here real soon. And this is when you look at the bond market, and you're like, wait, why, why are you saying that? And the answer really is simple. 
right? Look at the bond yields, right? The bond yields have, have oh, you know, you can, you can collapse maybe too big of a word. But remember, less than six months ago, a 10-year note got to 3.25, right? Which is, historically is nothing. But it's now down in the two sixes. So the bond market normally, in a what I would call a normal bond market, so you got to go back, you know, go back 20 years and, and, and more. When bond yields are falling, that means the economy, what, it's slowing and people are th- expecting rate cuts out of central banks. Now, we, we I guess we have the the slowing, but, I mean, you look at today, you know, the GDP number today, whether or not it's the right number or not, still was 2.6. Uh, not horrible, not, not, not anywhere near horrible. So you would almost believe that people were, Flooding the bond market, because that's usually what happens. They call it the flight to safety. Oh, things are looking bad. Quick, let's buy U.S. Treasuries. But when you look at the internals, that's not what's happening. I would say the external factors, that's what's happening. Hey, three, two, five, down into the two sixes. That would lead you to believe people are flooding to treasury. But something isn't right. Following the earlier collapse in indirect bidders. Okay, so just to explain this again, when we say indirect bidders, this is foreign Investors buying U.S. treasuries, i.e. foreign governments, China, Japan, you know, whoever. And again, remember of how this works. A lot of these governments, whether they want to or not, have to buy them because they still buy a lot of their stuff in U.S. dollars. We know that, hey, every quarter it's a little less, right? Every quarter they, they, they buy a little more stuff in, the, in China's currency or the euro, but mostly China, right? Most of it, 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 and it's not big yet, but it keeps getting a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. Following the collapse, this is the word they use in indirect bidders, and a spike in direct bidders. Now, direct bidders is the guys that get paid by our government to sell the auctions. Right? These are going to be, you know, the big banks that have to sell the treasury auctions. And how the rule works, and I've explained this a couple of times now, Whatever's left over, they have to buy. Whatever's left over, they have to buy. 
Yesterday, they had a five-year auction. I, oh, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Seven-year auction. My bad. Seven-year auction, $32 billion. You start, look at the size of these things. They had a two-year auction that was 40-some billion, a five-year auction that was 40-some billion, a seven-year auction, 32 billion. I mean, you know, every day. Saw a continuation of both of these trends. First, the good news. The good news is the yields went down. And again, think about who's being forced to buy them. Right? The banks. Right? They're trying to drive interest rates down, right? Number one, they don't want to pay you anything on your savings. Right? Great way to make sure they don't have to do that, keep rates low. Number two, they're like, hey, man, we got all these people with all these loans out here. They can't afford to make the payments. Right? We need to make those payments less. Right, so they're they're kind of trying to to be their own right, help their own cause. But remember what I told you last week. They're getting really close to being at the maximum levels they're allowed to hold. Right, remember Dodd Frank, right? The Dodd Frank, hey, you got to have so much of this type and this type and this type of capital. They're about full. I don't know when it is. No one will tell me that. Right? You'd think that would be, hey, by the way, uh, J.P. Morgan, they own this many U.S. treasuries. Right? They own $4 trillion, $5 trillion worth of U.S. treasuries. I don't know what the number is, but you'd think they would allow us to know that. And by the way, here's the maximum they can own. But, we, you know, they don't want us to know that. That was the good news, is the yields fell. The problem is the internals don't match the yields, right? The internals, as I said earlier, the internals, we should have saw huge demand, right? Direct bidders on falling yields should take the smallest piece of the auction, not the biggest, the smallest. The internals not nearly as good. The bid to cover. 2.6%. These were numbers that we would be three, three and a half times oversubscribed. Now now we're sitting, what, near two and a half times? And it's not horrible, horrible, but not very good. This, This is indicative of less and less people going to the auction. I'll give you the rest of it when we return. 800-951-0592. Remember why you buy gold. To hedge yourself. To protect yourself. Against what? Against debt, right? Against the Federal Reserve note. Right? And obviously, the bond market, and the, specifically, the U.S. Treasury market. Now, I need to clarify something because I misspoke and I want to I want to lay this out so these direct bidders these are US institutions right this can be banks pension funds uh annuities right the insurance companies they're the only buyers 
foreign governments aren't buying. Right? The dealers, right, the guys that run the auctions, they are sitting on the largest amount of U.S. treasuries ever. In other words, they're, they're, <laughs> right? they're, they're like, we can't keep absorbing all of these auctions if these foreigners don't show up. So let me let me give you the the numbers here because you know what it's easy to understand foreign participation hit the second lowest levels since they've been keeping track the lowest number by the way 47.1% in December of 2015 this auction right, barely was at 50%. The direct bidders, right? This is all of the groups I just talked about, hit the second highest levels in history. Right? And again, like I said, right? Gorging themselves on this debt. So one of two things here. Either all of them are like, listen, we are pulling off the greatest charade of all times on the stock market, right, and blowing that bubble up, and we think it's really going to crap out, and why? this is why we're buying all the bonds. Or quite simply put, right, hey, we got to buy them because nobody else will. And then you have the dealers, right? These are the guys, like I said, they get paid to run the auction. And when you look at the number on the dealers, the dealers now hold the largest amount on record. So we've got the second worst number ever for indirect bidders, for foreign bidders of U.S. Treasuries. The second highest levels ever on the direct bidders, right? So one of two things that happened in there, right? Either they know all these numbers are bullshit. I can't say that word. All the numbers and all the Wall Street, right, the 25,000, all of that's a bunch of baloney. That 2.6% GDP number, that's baloney. And we are flooding the treasury market. Or, this is just my opinion, the central bank's been making some phone calls. Hey, listen, we got to keep this this thing going. Uh, Buy this stuff, right? (laughs) I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, we got fading foreign demand, and it's getting creepy now, right? You know, it's one thing when, okay, you know, for three months or for six months, they stop buying. They've stopped buying now for like three years, right? This is, this is a trend here. Direct bidders, I don't know how much longer they, they can hold on. Right, and what happens to the dealers if the direct bidders don't show up the next time? I don't. 
I don't know what happens. I mean, I don't want to say we're near a failed auction, but the the numbers make no sense. So when I'm looking at these bond years, and this has been going on week after week, month after month now for years, and it's getting worse, right? As, as, As our debt keeps getting bigger, these numbers keep getting worse. So we got dealers at all-time record high holdings of U.S. Treasuries. Direct bidders, right, the second highest level ever. So essentially, the dealers and the direct bidders are at all-time record high holdings. Foreigners are all-time record low holdings. It's not how it's supposed to work. But how it's supposed to work is that the foreigners would be in there buying with, you know, if, if everyone thought the whole world was coming to an end, you would think that's what would happen. But again, I think this is the perfect storm, right? We just, we're just getting started in this. China continues to flex its muscle, right? Look at the trade talks, right? We're, we're not near a deal. More of the world turning their back on the U.S. dollar. And I'll tell you this right now, the Venezuela thing does not help us. Does it? Look at the bully U.S., right? It just forces more of them to do this. Speeds up the process. I hope it doesn't go too fast, too quick. Remember, how did you go bankrupt? Well, it was real gradual at first, and then it was suddenly. That's what I worry about. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. 800-951-0592. Gold's down three and change. Uh, $1,318. Silver down about six cents. Uh, $15.60. Been a roller coaster. Gold fifteen twenty eight at about 5 o'clock this morning. Uh, silver was at about fifteen eighty. dollars uh, Came down a little bit on the on GDP numbers that were a little better than expected. I, I, maybe a little, a little sand in there, but, you know, a little sand never hurt anybody. Uh, great time to buy. You know, really, when you think about it, I mean, we were, this time last week, what, almost thirteen fifty. So uh, some profit-taking came into effect. Take advantage of the pullbacks. Uh, U.S. $20 uh, liberties at fourteen twenty, And we still got some of those uh, rolls of half dollars at $130 at $800-951-0592. No update on silver. Right now still a minimum of two weeks out. On U.S. Silver Eagles, you can book them, uh, and they're down to $390 a roll. You can book them, but you got to be patient. And and just, we'll wait and see what, what's going to happen there. Obviously, demand has picked up immensely. Uh, you know, kind of funny, right, when you think about all of a sudden in the last six months, We've seen this huge increase in direct bidders at the treasury auctions. Same time, gold's gone from what eleven eighty 
1300 and change. I mean, do you think the two go together? Right? I, I think there's a huge correlation uh, between those two numbers. Right? You think about uh, the 10-year note hit 325. Gold's about 1180. Now the 10-year note's 26. And all of a sudden, all these direct bidders, right, all the pension funds and the insurance companies and the annuity, the banks, got to buy debt, right, have to buy the debt. Right? I don't think they want to buy the have to buy it. The the dealers now hold a record amount. In other words, hey, even when forcing these guys to buy, still not enough. 800-951-0592. You buy gold as insurance. It's wealth insurance. We say it all the time. What are you insuring it against? And you're insuring it against the dollar. And really, it's not so, you know, it's against the debt auctions. Because, you know, the dollar, they're, they're, it's a piece of paper with green ink on it, right, that they want to get rid of. It's all about how much debt is everybody willing to lend the United States, Period. And I don't know what level it, it is. Is it $25 trillion, $30 trillion, $40 trillion? I don't know. At what level does it all go bad? But it sure seems like when we crossed that $20 trillion mark, things started to get a little different. And now uh, it, it's picking up steam. One more show tomorrow. Don't forget Eric this afternoon. Everyone take care. God bless everybody. Have a great day.